1: All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, as some of you may know, uh, May is mental health month and um, particularly Mental Health Awareness Month, and particularly Break the Stigma of Mental Illness Month. Um, And my guest today will be perfect to speak exactly to that. In fact, they're doing something um, during the month of May that uh, shows their commitment to this concept of uh, breaking through the walls, the stigma of mental illness, and um, starting a conversation. They will be leaving from Los Angeles this coming Sunday, May 16th. They're going to be running. It's called the Icebreaker Run. Um, they're departing from Los Angeles, and they're going to be running across America and ending up June 9th in Alexandria, Virginia at the annual conference of the Mental Health um Mental Health America and uh, of course they'll tell you all about that um and um the the idea of it is to uh along the way talk with students and talk with various people in the in the cities that they um pass through to get people talking about mental health and also of course to try to raise money for um, better mental health treatment. And, of course, I'll let them um, talk about it more. Um, we're, the show today is called Running to Break the Ice on the Stigma of Mental Illness. And each of my guests um, have their own personal story that they're going to share with us uh, about how they overcame their um, mental illness or psychological problems and um, how they're, why they're so dedicated to trying to help others. We have Chris Martin, who is a highly successful serial entrepreneur. He's used running to help him recover from years of debilitating depression. He's an early supporter of the Break the Stigma Project, and he has completed more than 50 running events, including everything from a 5K to an ultra-marathon. Pam Rickard... Is a recovering alcoholic and mother of three. She's run more than 40 marathons and ultra marathons during her 10 years of sobriety. And her story of recovery was featured in the book called A Race Like No Other by New York Times writer Liz Robbins. And she is also, um, Pam is also the Heron Project's director um, of the Heron Project Runs. Charlie Engel. He's one of the world's most accomplished ultra runners. He's raced around the globe, including three Echo Challenges. He's well known for his incredible feat of running across the entire Sahara Desert in 2007. He has to tell me how he did that. Um, On a camel, maybe. And he's also a popular motivational speaker and columnist. And his memoir, Running Man, is set to be released in September. So welcome, all of you. Um, Why don't I start with Chris? And, um, Chris, if you could just give us a little, a better introduction to the run itself, and then tell us about your journey. Yes,
0: absolutely. <clears throat> so, you know, the icebreaker run is, is something that, uh, you know, Charlie and I came up with, you know, probably about, you know, six to eight months ago, uh, ironically, while we were running. <laughs> um, you know, I've... I've been looking uh, at ways to, you know, to to get involved with, you know, mental health awareness, uh, addiction, for quite some time, um, and 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 also at the same time looking at ways to kind of align, you know, my passion, um, you know, my uh, you know my my skill sets, so to speak, from a from a business entrepreneurship, um, and you know through. You know, numerous runs, and, you know, Charlie had attempted to do the uh, cross-country run uh, to break the solo record um, several years ago. And, you know, our our discussion kind of, you know, morphed from that into more of a, you know, involving, you know, more runners running around the clock, Um, and it really just kind of built upon that. And, you know, over time, we, we reached out to, you know, two wonderful organizations uh, the Heron Project, who um, you know Pam is involved with, and, and can speak to, uh, are better um, to the Heron Project uh, than I can. And then Mental Health America, who's been around for over 100 years, um, you know, both organizations uh, have been, you know, phenomenal with, you know, helping us, you know, take this and foster this idea from, you know, literal, you know, literally, you know, just a, you know, an idea six to eight months ago into know an event that's you know taken place in less than seven days from now you know we have you know probably twenty or so you know very involved and aligned sponsors that you know they're they're helping you know the expedition helping us along the way and we've you know been able to you know to put together a a phenomenal group of of runners that are you know very well you know connected. Uh, you know, to this cause, and, you know, we, we all have our, our personal motivation, and our own, you know, personal, you know, demon, so to speak, and our in our own personal, you know, story that we're going to be telling uh, along the way.
2: Well, um, let's hear, you know, let's for hear myself, your Yeah. I was going to say, let's hear your story. For my... Yeah, so, so for myself, um, you know, from, you know, I think
0: quite often people really don't look at mental health, you know, or addiction in the same way that, you know, you look at, for instance, you know, cancer. And so, you know, God forbid if you have a family member or a friend that, you know, ends up, you know, using tobacco products, you know, for 20 years, you know, when they get lung cancer, you know, you typically don't see, you know, people saying, well, you know, you should have just stopped doing that, or you did it to yourself. And but when you see people that succumb to, you know, heroin addiction, and uh, you know all the other multitude uh, of of addictions out there, uh, or you know all the you know the variety of mental health um, uh, illnesses, you know, you, you really, you know, you really don't get the same reaction, you know, from people, and it's really not, you know, kind of talked about. Uh, in the same you know circles, and you know, in in my case, you know, as a successful business person, you know, over the years, you know, people are quite often you know very surprised, um, you know, when they when they you know learn about my involvement or when they hear about this project, they're like, you know, that's a great cause, you know, it's wonderful, but why are you involved?
2: Mm-hmm. And they
0: really have no idea, you know, of of my story. They see the outside you know, they see it from the outside and they have you know, they're just completely baffled that, you know, I could suffer from, you know, debilitating depression. Um and then, you know, my my mom was a was a cocaine addict and, you know, we were uh homeless, you know, for for a very short
2: hmm.
0: uh, period of time. You know, I've had a a brother um who you know succumbed to addiction, another brother uh who's an alcoholic <clears throat> and you know, depression. Uh hmm. You know, has just ravaged, you know, my my entire family. You know, my entire life, and it's, you know, so it's it's something that has always been present. You know, you know, throughout my entire life. You know, probably even more so. You know, than you know than the cancers and and you know all the other things. You know that are considered so-called you know normal illnesses, and so. You know, I've been wanting to do something and to, you know, find something to, you know, tie my passion with running, um, with my desire to create some awareness and so that, you know, people are talking about, you know, mental illness and addiction, um, you know, with the same openness that people talk about, you know, cancer, uh-huh. diabetes, uh, you know, any other, um, any other, you know, medical illness. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, we want to... You know, create the open dialogue because you know, quite often the biggest barrier for people getting help um, with with mental illness and with addiction isn't because they don't realize that there's treatment, you know, out there, or isn't because they don't have the financial means of the insurance coverage. You know, it literally is the stigma associated with taking that first step um, or taking many steps and you know, to talk openly about it or even to just, you know, come out and just say, you know, I, I have an, you know, an issue, but I'm, you know, I'm having suicidal you know, thoughts or, you know, whatever it may be. You know, there's so much stigma attached to, um, you know, to what we're trying to, you know, create awareness about that it, it, in my experience, that seems to be a bigger hurdle um, than just connecting people' illnesses with, with treatments. That's my biggest passion is to really, you know, is to really combat this stigma. You know, I, you know, I'd be the first to say like if people are, you know, looking for a, you know, a medical professional or, you know, a a you know a therapist, and you know they want to come out and run with me along, along the route, you know, I'd be the last person that they need or would want to come to for professional advice, but. What I want is for people to run out and come out and run with us. I just simply want to talk openly, you know, and and realize that it's okay Um, and that they can see through our, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, just grueling, you know, pain and suffering and rawness and openness, you know, of this, you know, expedition that, you know, it's okay to do, you know, hard and good and, uh, you know what may seem like unachievable things, um, you know, while suffering from you know mental illness or from, uh-huh. from addiction.
2: Uh huh. So, uh you huh. Know, that's
0: that's that's my big you know driving force and passion you know, with this project. Well,
2: that that sounds wonderful. Um, it's so important, and of course. Um, uh, you know that's the whole i- the icebreaker run, I mean of course, the name kind of says it all, breaking the ice to to get people to talk about it, and like you said the uh, same way that they talk compassionately um about cancer. Pam, why don't we go to you and tell us your story?
3: yes, um I love uh, how chris uh, thank you by the way for having us it's It's just an honor to speak with with you today and be on the show um I uh I was thinking again as Chris was talking. I mean, my, I'm I really run on gratitude. I've actually been called obnoxiously grateful because I'm I'm extremely grateful for my own recovery and the chance that I have to to be sober let alone run uh and and work for the cause and run for the cause is just beyond anything I've ever dreamt, dreamt. but um a couple of things that came to mind, even when Chris was talking, is um, is that stigma part. I was, you know, I, as you mentioned in the introduction, I am, I'm an almost 54 year old mother of three. Um, I was actually very high functioning. I was a very high functioning alcoholic, um, and with most um, addiction, it wasn't just a straight line up. It was a it was a roller coaster ride for many years. But I was I hit it, and um, as as many addicts do, and especially many women do, and I can only speak to my own story, but I also have had the privilege and the honor of hearing stories of literally hundreds of women, if not thousands, over the last 10 years because of the um, the, the work I've been honored to, to, to do. So um, I do know that, especially with myself, there was so much stigma attached to it that it just, that contributed to my to my denial and to my not asking for help, because um, I couldn't stand the fact that I, that if that, could, that it could possibly be true that I would be an alcoholic, let alone um, tell someone, even someone that I was close to. it just that was at that time, I always have to remind myself because it almost seems it, it seems to be the antithesis of how I feel today, but I really did feel that way, and i I wasn't an evil person, I wasn't a bad person. I was a sick person, and, um, and mine also was complicated by depression. I experienced three bouts of postpartum depression after each one of my daughters mm. were born, and um, gen- general clinical depression at other times, and it also runs in my family, and uh, I have a grandfather that committed suicide with alcoholism, and another grandfather that, that died of it from another, um, another cause related to alcoholism, so there is a hereditary factor there um, but and so often the case especially with addiction is that it is co-occurring with many other issues, many mm-hmm. other mental health issues
2: mm-hmm.
3: so so yes the, the stigma um, unfortunately is alive and well, I've seen a lot of um, breaking of it though and I'm, I'm uh, obviously I'm thrilled to be part of anything that um, contributes to continuing to break down the, the walls of the stigma and continue the conversation and and, um, and, again, even in my little world, my personal story of, um, of my recovery over the last 10 years, I've been fortunate enough when m- me and my family decided to go public, so to speak, and I was in the book that you mentioned. And so I've had somewhat of a forum, again, just in my little world here, so that, so that because I've, I've been public about my story, I've been and continue to honestly be shocked with the number of people that come to me, especially women, that will message me or come to me and say, wow, okay, you know, either I didn't know that you were dealing with this or I'm dealing with it too. Um, one of my favorite stories is I had a, a woman who is prominent in this community that I live in, and she's very well. she was no, very well known, and she messaged me on Facebook one day and said, I either have to unfriend you or tell you the truth, because I'm sick of seeing all your positive posts about how, grateful you are in your recovery, and, and she said, because I'm drowning in it right now, and I can't mm-hmm. tell anybody, and I just, I was so grateful that she had the courage to even to, to say that to me, so that's just one small story of someone who, you know, was being very honest that I, I'm I'm drowning, but I don't know what to do, and um, it wasn't because she had the lack of means, it wasn't because she had the lack of brains, or the lack of anything, she even has and had a wonderful family support. I will say that that particular person is sober today and this is a, a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, I know and I've always said this too, we can't save the world, but we sure can push back the darkness. And that's what my goal is with this, with this effort is, is if we're, we're going we're gonna to do an outrageous thing. Yes, we are going to run across the United States, but it's, go- it's not about us. It's about the team effort. It's about the cause. And it's about doing something that, honestly, we're going to get attention for this. And I hope we do. And, thankfully, that will create more attention. And, hopefully, the conversation will continue about, about the cause. Because the question is always, why? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yes. The last, thing, the last this thing I'd like to mention, too, according to what, that reminded me of what, what Chris was saying reminded me of was um, the fact that, we, um, that it hurts. And I, I kind of love the fact that this is, we're choosing this discomfort. We are Pam, choosing to be Pam. uncomfortable. for yes.
2: Let me just stop you right there because I'm yes. hearing the music in my ear, and I should have told you all, well, when you hear music, that means we need to take a break. But when we come back, I will come back and let you finish that. And then also we're going to go on to Charlie, and we're going to go back again and talk That's more fine. about this. We're talking about running to break the ice on the stigma of mental illness. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, obviously. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Oh,
4: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free
1: at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about running to break the ice on the stigma of mental illness. My three guests are just about to start. An icebreaker run across America, literally running across America from Los Angeles to Virginia starting next Sunday, and um, they uh, each have their own personal story as to why it's important to them to break the stigma um, and, and are trying to get people to break the ice, in other words, so that everyone starts to talk about it, and that way the stigma will dissipate. My guests are Chris Martin who we have um, heard from, um, and we're going to go back to him as well. And Pam, Pam was in the middle, and then we're going to go to Charlotte, Pam Rickard and Charlie Enger, Engel, and then we're going to go back to Pam because she was right in the middle of telling us why um, she's doing this, even though it's, of course, running all these miles will cause pain. And, yes, I, it was my suggestion. It would be a lot easier to do a bake sale. So tell us about that. <laughs> Yes, that's one of the most
3: common questions I know I've been asked. Not only about this expedition, but some of my other ultra running since I've in the last 10 years of my sobriety, I've been fortunate enough to to do some other running. And of course, I also um, do some running with my with my work as well. But um, it's for me personally, it's such a gratitude thing because getting my running back. I, I ran quite a bit before when I was active in my alcoholism. I was um, a, an, a, accomplished in my own little neighborhood here, um, somewhat but um so to be able to run again um in the, in sober and then for this cause is just beyond anything i've ever dreamed but um but i really i i i think part of the the pain that we're going to go through and the discomfort and the the challenges um i think that all just fits so beautifully into um our message and the cause itself because actually we're choosing this pain we're choosing to to put our bodies through this, to go through the exhaustion, the hunger, the thirst, the, the you know, the pain, so to speak. Um, although I will say, and one of the things I say a lot, especially to folks, if I'm, if I'm talking about about running or they're running, is that there's a there's a fine line between discomfort and pain when it comes to running. And when it when it is when something is painful, you should definitely address it and not just you know ignore it. So, I think it's important for us to to model the healthy behavior healthy behaviors that way as well. And we've talked a lot about that, the team has, as we've, um, as we've ramped up and planned for this. But there will be discomfort and there will be, you know, there will be some, some tensions, there will be exhaustion. And, and, and I think, again, I can only speak for myself, but I love that part of this. I love the fact that I'm going to have to figure out how to get along with these people for, for um, you know, my teammates for 20-some, 30, 30 days. And that we have to figure out how to adjust and how to help each other when one might feel stronger, the other might feel weaker, and and we're gonna we're gonna have to figure that out together. And um, mm-hmm. and and as I said before, also we choose this discomfort. And a lot of times in mental illness and any other illness, we don't choose it. it. It is something that comes on us, and we may contribute to it in some ways. But but with this, we're choosing to be just to be uncomfortable for the for the cause and mm-hmm. to, to, make, to, to, to demonstrate that we can overcome and we can mm-hmm. help each other.
1: It's mm-hmm. about asking
3: for help, and we're going to have to ask each other for help over and over and over from, from May 15th to June 9th. I know that.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, great. Um, Charlie, let's hear your story.
4: Ah, well, I don't know how to follow all that up, but <clears throat> let me just say that unlike Pam and Chris, um, nobody was really surprised. Well, when I told them I was an addict, uh, and more with me more people were kinda of like, um, yeah, well, you know, we kind of assumed that when uh when we saw you, you know, stay up for six days in a row. So um, you know, my problem was very was very public. You know, I still was somebody and I've been sober now for July will be twenty four years if I assuming I make it that far. So mm-hmm. it has been a long time, but, you know, I don't ever lose sight of, you know, what it was like, and for me, I stay very active in, uh, you know, in 12-step programs of all varieties and, you know, running is actually, and these guys both said it in their own way, but, you know, running is my my therapy. You know, it is, you know, I go to meetings and I do things that I need to do to help keep me but the running is certainly another big part of it. And when I got sober, I was 29 years old, and I'm 53 now, and, and I, I started running at 29. I mean, I had, I had done, I'd run in high school, and I had done some running here and there through my 20s. Uh, I even ran my first marathon, you know, totally blitzed out of my mind and stayed up the night before all night, and just, uh, it's a terrible story of what not to do. Um And you know and it brought me no joy, of course I, I was not i 'll never forget finishing that race and standing at the finish line watching this um, amazing emotional reunion between you know man and wife that were standing next to me and wondering why i didn't feel that way mm. and you know that set me on the path to to wanting to get some answers and at twenty nine I finally went into into treatment and managed to Get some time under my belt and started running again. And I ran thirty marathons or so in the first few years. And as I like to say, that clearly proves I had that whole addiction problem under control. <laughs> uh, you know, but i mm-hmm. i had I had channeled that energy into something else and something else more positive. And you know, and as Pam alluded to, from there, I I really wanted to seek out things that were going to help me deepen my relationship with with my sobriety and, and to learn more about exactly what drives me to want to find those answers. You know, when I was an addict, all I wanted to do was hide and shove everything as far down as I could. And as a runner, you know, people sometimes ask about, did I just switch addictions? But... The fact is running shines a bright light on my life and on how I feel at every moment. There's no hiding when you're running. And whereas addiction is all about hiding. And so it was a Mm. it was a completely different thing. Mm. Flashing forward briefly to Icebreaker, you know, it really you know, this is the manifestation of of that energy and of finding something you know for for all the six runners and our crew members everyone is accomplished in the running world but but this will not be about us as individuals and and we will answer questions you know as a team and we will try to encourage people simply by doing what we're doing we will try to encourage people to to seek another way you know and to maybe say hey i'm not really a runner but these guys used running to to help further their own sobriety, you know, maybe I can do it too.
2: Well, now, um, I I wonder, did each of you, um, you were saying, I guess, Charlie, that you ran, I'm I'm wondering how you each found running as as sort of the, um, as as being therapeutic. I mean, (laughs) Were you not? Did you not connect with a psychiatrist? Was running better than a psychiatrist? Um, how did you? It's, it's how did question. you wind up uh, choosing yeah, running? A, it's a,
4: it's a, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your 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 question is really good, and and in fact, I didn't just choose running. I did choose, you know, fitness really, and and nutrition. And I mean, I guess it does highlight some of my addictive personality in the sense that when I commit to doing something, I I rarely, uh, commit halfway. And so I did Mm -hmm. sort of take a whole body approach and, and it didn't just run, you know, I biked and swam and I worked on my diet and I, I learned what actually made me function better and think better and look better. I mean, ego plays a role too. You know, I I looked Mm -hmm. like a drug addict for a lot of years and You know, I liked not looking that way, and I wanted more of that. And I think what happens with a lot of people is they, excuse me, they get a, you know, they get a win. I always say this to people. You know, it's been so long since you've had a win of any kind. You know, Mm -hmm. don't don't try to conquer the world, but go run a five k. How about I, you know, if they ask about running, they see me, and maybe I, you know, I did some long. You know, a hundred miler or, or run across the Sahara, and they think, "Well, I can't do that." And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Well, I don't know if you can or not, but that's really beside the point." You know, it took me 15 years to get there, so how about we just start with this very first step, and mm-hmm. and see what happens. And I and I, look, I tell people all the time, you're going to start this running program, and just understand it's not going to feel good. You know, you're you're twenty five or thirty five or forty five, you spent a lot of years punishing yourself, you know, and getting to this place where you are right now. You don't you don't run for a week and all of a sudden like it's it's magical. You know, you're gonna have a couple of months of of great discomfort that's probably then going to lead to just more discomfort. But it also leads to enlightenment and, and the, the satisfaction that comes from, you know, achievement is, is so powerful. And it doesn't matter if you're running 15-minute miles in a 5K or you're running 5-minute miles and you're winning the race. You know, it's, it's really irrelevant because it's all relative.
3: It really it is. is, and and I'd like to chime in that it's actually. I mean, I happen to love to run, and I and I tell people all the time that I'm, I, I run because that's how I'm wired. That's and fortunately, my, my husband, husband jokes, jokes too. We've always, always joked jokes. since I've been sober that, that uh, you know, now I use the power for good instead of evil. Because instead of running afraid, as Charlie was talking about, it's more about running, um, for um, for the joy of it. But especially with women, it's not just about running. It's about it's, and again, about uh, piggybacking on what Charlie said, it's about nutrition and and strength and being the best you physically, because it's all we're connected physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and we we cannot get away from that. We are um, the whole package. So so it, while it doesn't have to be running for me, it's running, and especially for me, I have such a huge gratitude for it because, as I mentioned, I was quote unquote an accomplished runner before I got sober. And I think it kept me sicker longer because I never drank when I was pregnant, breastfeeding or training for a marathon. Hmm. So, of course I'm fine. And um so now there's such a joy there of being a, you know, that I'm even allowed to do it, let alone, I mean, getting my family back and 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 getting my house uh somewhere to a, a decent place was was a huge gift, but being able to actually run and accomplish these things with my body is is beyond what I could have ever asked for. But I, I love that question, too, because it isn't just the running. And, it, and it's about, as I said before, we want to model health, you know, mental health, physical health, spiritual health. We want to model being the best you, whatever that looks like for you. You don't have to run long distances. You can, but, but we, I, I do believe that we were, our bodies were created to move in some way. But you certainly don't have to run, but you need to, to do something to take care of yourself. And, um, and that's, that's my, part of my message in this, especially as a woman going through menopause and I love, you know, all the yucky things even that happen through that because I can, you know, it's okay. I can overcome it and I can deal with it and I can adjust and just like I do with my running, just with, like a long run. It's, um, you know, it's the, some things are great and some things aren't, but
2: overall it's, a, it's, a, it's all a gift because it's life. Well, I'm wondering, Chris, maybe you would like to join in here.
0: Chris? Yeah, absolutely. I I think, um, you know, definitely in in my case, and I I think probably Charlie and Pam can attest to it, you know, I don't know what the actual statistics are, but, you know, I do know, you know, at the ultra events that that I've been to, that there is definitely a, you know, a higher proportion statistically speaking, it feels like there's a much higher proportion of people that can relate to you know why the same reasons why we do this and I think you know for you know people that are recovering from addiction um you know in in my case, I've never struggled with addiction, but I think I was you know genetically um you know had the traits that you know I had addictive uh you know personality and so you know, you know, I, I was drawn to something that would deliver you know a a high that was like that. And mm-hmm. if you talk to any you know runner, um, you know specifically kind of like you know long distance runners, you know marathon or, or longer, you know they will they will tell you that um, you know I've, I've I've never known what it's like, but I can't compare you know personally to getting high from you know for my for my substance, but you know I can tell you when I go for a twenty thirty you know forty mile training run that when I get done you know my my body you know just feels like it's buzzing or okay. or humming and and you know and when I don't run for you know five days either by choice you know or by injury, um you know my wife would be the first to tell you you know that. Hey, you really need to go run um, because you know my body and my mental health, you know, get so used to that, uh, you know, that that feeling, the endorphins, the high, uh, and pushing yourself, um, you know, to the extremes. You know, it's you know, it's a healthy, maybe non healthy way in in some cases, and you know what's interesting is that you know, for as much as I try to, to create awareness, awareness and talk about, you know, mental health, um, mental illnesses and addiction, you know, to a certain degree, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of a hypocrite because, you know, myself, you know, I look at, you know, using, you know, running or ultra running um, or, you know, a, a more extreme plant-based whole food, um, you know, diet versus, you know, maybe being as open and seeking the traditional path. I mean, I've only been, you know, personally, I've only been to, you know, a therapist, you know, less than I can count on one hand. And, you know, I should, you know, probably be seeking, you know, regular, you know, counseling because of, you know, all the things that I've dealt with in my life, depression, you know, the ups and downs. And, you know, so, you know, I think what what you'll often find is is that either by, by choice or path of least resistance, there tends to be, you know, a lot of people that gravitate, you know, to running, you know, ultra running, or, you know, as Charlie says, you know, not just running but kind of, you know, fitness or endurance sports, you know, something that will kind of replicate that. You know, whether, you know, that alone, you know, is, you know, the healthy, healthiest path. You know, I'm, I'm not the, you know, probably the the authority to say, you know, what I will say is that for me, um, you know, it's, you know, running is my medication. Um, it's my medication, my meditation. Um, and it's what, you know, it's my coping, you know, mechanism, uh, you know, to allow me to, you know, function as, as normally, um, as possible. But, you know, I think there's, you know, there's definitely a pocket, you know, of extremism, you know, in that. And I think, you know, probably a lot of people could argue, you know, hey, what you guys are doing is, you know, probably way beyond, you know, the extremes to run, you know, 20 plus, you know, essentially, you know, 20 miles or so every 15 hours for, you know, 24 days straight. You know, of course we're doing it for awareness, but the reality is that sounds like something I would do even if I wasn't doing it. To create awareness, um,
2: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not quite certain that that may be, you know, the healthiest medication, so to speak.
2: Well, that's very interesting. Well, well we do need to take another break, but when we come back, it's funny because I assumed, <laughs> I assumed that all of you were in um, treatment, and I guess we still have to hear from Pam and Charlie about that. But, um, but as far as, and I, I wanted to ask you also about the stigma, how it affected your you personally, and, and as far as getting, getting help, and so you brought out an interesting point because I hope along the way when you're um, doing this ice, icebreaker run to break the ice on the conversation of mental illness stigma uh, and getting help, I hope that you're going to be talking about people or encouraging people to get, besides running, getting traditional kind of treatment, but we'll talk more about that in the next segment. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
4: Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866
1: 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman.
2: And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about running to break the ice on the stigma of mental illness with three icebreakers people who are going to be going on an icebreaker run across America. Leaving this coming Sunday and running from l a to Virginia um, to raise awareness about mental illness and mental health and getting help and um, and we were just before the break starting about whether that help <laughs> which I just assumed um, included you know professional help as well as running so Pam, I know you wanted to address this. Go ahead yes um.
3: My own personal story did, does include um, which, where I finally found my, the foundation of my recovery was in uh, a residential treatment center in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, many uh, failed attempts before that, and I tried outpatient treatment and so forth. Um, not that the treatment was poor; I wasn't ready, and I was lying honestly, so I wasn't. I wasn't. Re, um, I wasn't. Uh, I asked for help, but I didn't really follow the directions, so follow directions is a big part of, of, my, of my personal daily program, um, because even now, I have no desire to drink. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I thank God for that. I have no desire to drink or, or use any t- mind-altering substance, but I work my program every day, and that comes from what I did learn in treatment and what I, what I continue to learn through 12-step meetings. Um, Church um, Bible studies I go to it, it kind of is a bit it, it's all um, it all it's all blurred together for me into something I call my program which is part which which I which all came from my seeking treatment um, and, and I, I love the fact that there's so many different ways to to seek treatment or to receive help and I know that that's another one of our goals on this run. As Chris said, we are not professionals. We are not going to be dispensing any type of professional advice, but we're going, we do have ways, many ways, of pointing people in the right direction, whether that's to a counselor or treatment or trusted friend or um, any other type of healthcare professional. The beauty is, is that there's a lot of help available out there. Um, accessing it, there are barriers to accessing it. The last thing I'll say on that is one of the things that Ironically, I do work for the Heron Project, and it's interesting because when Charlie first asked me to consider being part of the icebreaker run, um, it wasn't just because of the Heron Project. It was because of, of my running and my friendship with Charlie, but, but I do work for the Heron Project, and one of our main um, core uh, our missions and, and uh, one of our, our uh, main um, competencies is treatment navigation. So that's what, something that we do every day is we provide um, treatment navigation for people all across the country, whether it's, you know, and for all ages, all backgrounds, and have done that for the past five years, not only initial treatment, but after care or family issues. Um, so we have a strong program for helping the family deal with someone who either has mental issues or um, mental health issues or substance abuse issues. Um, We have a grief group for folks dealing with with, after losing someone. There's just the the ripple effect of mental illness is is far and wide, but the beauty of recovery, whether it's recovery from a mental illness or recovery from substance abuse, which I believe is pretty much the same thing, that is, I think, even more powerful. Something that that I've said many times is addiction is tragic, but recovery is even more powerful because of the ripple effect. And And that's what we're trying to to, that's our message, I think. We're trying to say it can recovery can look different for everyone, and it looks different for Charlie, Chris, and me right now, but mm-hmm. seeking help, asking for help is crucial. As Chris said in the beginning, taking that first step is asking for help, and the barrier to that is far and wide when it comes to the stigma. Mm-hmm. Creative.
2: Charlie, do you want to um, comment? Uh, how, for example, sure. did, did stigma... Um, get in the way of you seeking help.
4: That's a fantastic question, and and I I actually will say it's changed a lot in the years that I've been sober because 24 years ago, and then I can say from personal experience, 20 years ago, I was a few years sober and I applied for a job and, you know, I very honestly in the interview process process talked about my addiction and my recovery. And while they didn't say it in so many words, it was very clear that that cost me that job. Mm. And I will say that today, it's my feeling that if I were to to apply for a job and and I talked about being clean and sober, clean and sober has actually reached a point where, you know, if you're in California, it's almost uh, cool to be clean and sober. And in a lot of the rest of the country, uh, addiction to or being an alcoholic and someone being in recovery from that is not as much of a hindrance uh, towards, you know, being able to achieve uh, uh, the same rights as everyone else. But depression or PTSD or other mental illnesses that, you know, most of us on this call are, are cross-addicted in some fashion anyway but those are not those are things that I think still suffer greatly from the stigma of of what they stand for and and people get judged who admit to that sort of thing so consequently of course mm-hmm. people aren't as free with that information and I think that that's uh, you know that's too bad that it shouldn't you know it shouldn't be that way I mean, One of the reasons we're doing this run, too, is for is to bring attention to something that most Americans know, which is, you know, 22 service people Mm. kill themselves every day in this country. And we're not experts. I don't have the answer. I don't know whether treatment would help every one of those people. I don't know how to convince them to seek help. But I do know that at least putting it out there and having a conversation about it, is is more useful than doing nothing, and so I, I, I think that that is a huge part of our mission.
2: And you're going to be stopping off at various schools and so on. You have things planned along the route.
4: We do. We have a lot. We have a lot of things planned. You know the. The uncertainty of being able to say, and I, and I have done a lot of these expeditions before, and it's a little difficult to say I'm going to be in this exact spot at this exact moment mm-hmm. when you're running mm-hmm. thousands of miles because, mm-hmm. you know, things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's but our But certainly we have some planned events across the country, and we have a huge one planned at the finish. We do know we'll – we're pretty confident we will get to the finish and it is also part of the, it's part of the story we tell. You, you mentioned the Sahara Desert earlier, and I won't mm-hmm. go into the story, but I do like sharing this part. It, it, took, it took me and two teammates 111 days to cross almost 5,000 miles of the Sahara Desert. God. Every single day, every single day during that run, I got up in the morning at 4 o'clock, and the first thing I did was write down the day's plan. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to run this far. We're going to stop. We're going to have lunch here. We're going to do this. We're going to run another marathon in the afternoon. We're going to stop here. And I wrote out the entire day's plan. I went back at the end and looked, and out of 111 days, on about a dozen days, it actually went the way I wrote it down. (laughs) On the other 99 or 100 days, it went to hell. Like, Every single way you could possibly imagine, from <laughs> illness to running out of food and water to getting lost in a sandstorm, but we made it across the desert, and I think that's the, that's the point, because the focus was just simply getting through that day, and addiction is the same way. You know, you hear one day at a time all the time, but it, it tends to, you know, it tends to sort of be brushed over. But mm-hmm. it is the critical thing. People who are in trouble, they look at their entire lives in that moment and they assume that they're always going to be in trouble. And and so it seems overwhelming in that moment. And what they don't get, of course, is that's actually the only moment they need to worry about getting through. Mm-hmm. And I did learn a lot of that in treatment. And I do learn it in meetings and in therapy. You know, I have seen a variety of therapists on and off for years, and, and it does. It, that is another point. Not, everything, not, not every relationship works all the time, and you, of course, can speak to that. You know, just because you see a patient for a week or a month or ten years doesn't mean that at some point that patient's not going to move on to someone else. And I don't the key being them. that they do move on to someone else. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't
2: let them, right? That <laughs> the that's another <laughs> program. That's another program. Chris, why, why don't we come back to <laughs> you? you know and I know you wanted to add something to what you had said before, and also maybe you can tell people um, how they can either follow this run along or if they want to find out more about it. Tell, us how, tell people how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I made so my point
0: of, um, earlier oh, go ahead, go ahead. that I that I wanted to to um, you know really conclude. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not advocating to forego um, or not to seek treatment. It's you know quite the opposite. Um, and, and actually, to you know to really you know, the two big takeaways um, to that I wanted that I want to get across from from my personal story is is that you know in my case, you know, stigma has been the biggest barrier. And, you know, a lot of that comes from, you know, just, you know, seeing how your family has dealt with it over the years. My my mom just recently talked openly uh, to me about, you know, her addiction and what led her to addictions. You know, she's been clean for, you know, nearly 30 years. And she just told me her story a few months ago. Huh.
2: Um,
0: and, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a it's a stepping stone process, you know, for me as well. You know, every single day and every single week and every single year, um, you know, is a learning experience, you know, for for me uh, as well. And so, you know, I, I don't have you know all the answers, and as Charlie said, you know, he doesn't have all the answers. And I think what you'll find, all of us say, is that none of us really have all the answers. We will do our best. We have a lot of you know, connections and ways to, p- to point people in the right direction through the right treatment. Um, but more than anything, we want to talk about our own stories and tell people and, and to just create, you know, an open, uh, you know, dialogue, you know, for those conversations to happen. Uh, as far as tracking the event, for more information, go to www.icebreakerrun.org. Um, and from there, there's links to our Facebook page, to our Twitter page, if you click on the map uh, under Run Facts, that will actually take you to a live tracking page where you'll be able to follow us uh, throughout the entire uh, expedition.
2: Hmm.
0: And there's also a donate button on the page as well. And all proceeds, you know, raised during the during the expedition will go directly to Mental Health America and and the Hearing Project for their for their great work.
2: Yes, I was going to ask you about that. You mentioned sponsors, so I presume the sponsors are um not only sort of providing um whatever you need along the way but um but is it like for each mile that you run do you have do you have people uh sponsoring you for for your miles No
0: we 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 don't do that we do have you know shirts that are being uh sold uh for proceeds or they can They can go there to donate. What we were really looking for sponsors was by the time that we wanted to start the run, we didn't want to be raising money to help us get across the country. We really Uh wanted every single dollar of what's coming in to go directly to, you know, these wonderful organizations. And so, you know, we were very fortunate to to partner with, you know, a, a lot of sponsors that provided both, you know, monetary support, you know, for the expedition costs as well as, you know, product. Um, and you can see all of those sponsors we still have a few more to add on our website as well, but you know the you know wonderful companies that have stepped forward um that you know are are very excited, very aligned uh, and very supportive you know with us um you know with with this expedition
2: well, I think the whole thing is wonderful, and I wish you well. i mean you know the fact that by modeling you're you're essentially modeling um Having no shame and being talking openly about the journey that you went through, and that will give people courage to um, feel that they shouldn't hide in the corner either, and that they should uh, go out and get help and not be afraid or ashamed of talking about these different problems that they're they're going through so um, so I mean, this is just a, a fabulous uh concept and a great idea and and yes. <laughs> Yes, as Pam said, you know, it is um, going through pain or or discomfort. I I won't say uh, pain, but, (laughs) um, you know, suffering through the discomfort. And, and, I mean, there are so many metaphors for what you're doing, Um, the idea that, that there are some days are, are certainly there's a lot of discomfort in uh, in, in yeah. a typical day for for everybody really um awkward moments right. and from at best and and then some things that are a lot worse so um so your your right. run is modeling that as well um well, I, w- I want to give out the uh, website again. I-, I went to that website. It's very interesting. I love it. Fun- Instead of fun facts, run facts. <laughs> it's great.
3: The <laughs> website is
2: icebreakerrun.org. So, um, and I love it that you're going to be able to. We can follow, follow you along with the map. So that's fun. Um, well, again, thank you so much. Uh, and I, I want to mention your names again. Chris Martin, Pam Rickard, Charlie Engel. Thank you for all that you're doing, and um, if you, I'm sure along the way you're going to be sending people either to running <laughs> or to treatment, or hopefully both, uh, for whatever That's right. for whatever problems that they're having. And and I do want to say that, uh, as I'm sure you've noticed yourselves, um, you know, with the world getting crazier, uh, all the things that are happening in the world that put so much stress on each of us. Uh, This is more necessary than ever. So thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman.
1: Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.